crown. mansion robe and crown sun robe and a crown they always about let me your throne surround Lord please reserve my mansion, robe and crown. Amen, and praise God, and a gratitude to him for the day that we have received from him, and the way he has successfully led our lives across the years, the weeks, and the hours. We're thankful to have every last one of you here this morning. We always look forward to your coming. And I'm disappointed when I look out there and don't see you. And plus that, I wonder where you is. <laughs> uh, but we uh, expect you every Sunday, and we need you every Sunday. Uh, we are under a building process of building membership and regularity and faithfulness and continuity and fidelity. And uh, I'm a little bit disturbed at times how it seems like we do not count this day as belonging to the Lord. We take and do what we want to with it. And uh, I think that a person commits themselves to Jesus Christ, and I won't hang around that long, uh, commit themselves to Jesus Christ. They uh, are committed to doing God's will, presenti in the program of which they are a part of. So uh, based on that, of not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, I think it goes deeper than that of not appearing and being available at your post that this is where you really belong every Sunday uh, and not somewhere else uh, and uh, not uh, sleeping late. Uh, we, we need you here and there's something for you to be doing here. Uh, I get a lot out of your attendance and uh, one of the uh, ways that people try to let the preacher know they're not going along with what he's doing, they stop showing up. And uh, so I don't know whether to read it that way or not, but under any circumstance, we appreciate your presence. We are honored to have with us today Brother Ivy White, longtime minister of the gospel of Christ, friend of mine, and brother of a former elder of this church, Brother Jesse White. It's a real pleasure to have him here, and I uh, hope that he will contemplate having some words of depth encouragement to us uh, before you leave today. Uh, he's here because of a son of his is graduating today. And I said to Sister Sarah White, his sister-in-law, that that's where it is with father, still pushing that son. Uh, son is a dad himself, but dad's still pushing. And uh, I think that fits into what we want to talk about today. And I... Uh, Saw Brother Wendell Harris come in here. I, uh, I've known him for a long time, and and my last recollection is I think he attends West End Church of Christ, and uh, we are happy to have him here with us today, a preacher himself. 
And we have a lot of reasons to rejoice. We appreciate the great work that Brother uh, Carrion is doing. And we appreciate the presence of uh, Sister Dudley, uh, who was by telephone contact with Brother Carrion, was baptized a few weeks ago. And uh, we, uh, shortly after that time, uh, Brother Carry on maintaining his relationship with that family, baptized her daughter. Uh, and uh, Carry on has just kept on fishing. And today we're going to baptize her husband. Uh, we've all. And we've already taken the confession. The baptism is ready. And for many of you, that's enough. I could sit down right now but I'm not going to be that accommodative. <laughs> and uh, we are thankful for the day and uh, this being a Father's Day along with uh, after being the first day of the week on which we are obligated to God and we appreciate the attention and, that we are giving to parents and uh, we can't go too far in that. Uh, even if the job has not been, been complete as it should have been, we are thankful that God gives us that privilege of honoring and respecting them, fathers and sons. Uh, event that we had yesterday was real successful, I believe. And we continue to look forward to our building programs of this church. Take a few moments to do that. We've got to build the church. We've got to keep it going. The primary call of the church is evangelism. Uh, and Jesus said, his disciples, the last thing on earth. Then he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you, and Lord, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Our building the church and leading people to Jesus Christ and confirming them in the faith is our first calling and the main reason why we're here. And that worries me about our church some in these days where we seem to be adopting programs in place of the primary call of the gospel. And that primary call, we can never afford to forget. And we appreciate how this church is responding to the Fifth Sunday's uh, program. And we are thankful that God allows us to have prayer programs from time to time. This afternoon, we have one at our regular worship time. And Brother Sims will be emceeing that program. I've called on different ones to pray for established reasons as are listed in our bulletin. And uh, young Brother uh, Kenneth Rucker II uh, will be leading our song service in there. So we are reaching out in every way that we can, and I am thankful to have him with us. And uh, he always does a great job, and uh, when he leads in those prayers that moves the whole church, for some reason, God may, uh, allows me to forget to say anything. So I want to apologize to him now and say the great, great prayers that he leads, and uh, just a great member of the Lord's church, he and his sister, both faithful children of that family, we're thankful that they're here. I want to say a word of commendation to the young fathers of the church because we depend on you. Uh, and you are the makers of a vibrant church. And uh, I think that uh, it has become so commonplace for fathers to play a real role uh, as, our, as our young fathers that we tend to not notice it. But I think it's great for our young men to be handling the children, uh, taking care of them. And sometimes I think my sisters are getting lazy about that. Uh, 
they push it off on them and they don't, don't handle them themselves. Now, this is not a replacement thing. This is a cooperative thing. And so that's keep both of you, both of you in the front of this thing because the child needs a father and a mother. Now, you used to be saying the other way, a mother and a daddy. But uh, that's uh, keep it balanced. Those are the kind of things we're trying to affect in this church that really make changes in our lives. And, and we end up being better people, not just someone articulating some biblical passages, which are very important, but we want to see the product results. And we want to see these young men doing as they're doing, doing a great job. And we want to see you attending and giving in support of the church and obedient to the word, the scripture, every day. The purpose of my lesson today is to emphasize father's role in equipping the sons to bear the true image of God. And I believe with all my heart and my life that I'm made in God's image. I'm not able to define and to delineate that all way, but I'm in his image. He said so. God created me in his image. So what I best try to do is take that for granted that I am. And I'm constantly searching for ways how we can uh, promote that concept. And in everything that I do, and we do as fathers, we ought to be a projectile of divine image. God made that assignment. And anything we do to fall short of that is a violation of our relationship with God. Uh, as surely as God passed on his image to man in the creation, succeeding generations of humanity have the right to receive that divine image from their fathers. Now, I know I'm plowing in areas you may not have thought of. But the upshot of this is, not only did God make me in his image, and a part of God's image is creativity. Man can create just like his maker. I know you got to process that for a while. I'm made in his image and I have in myself the likeness of God. So the thing that God can do on a more limited basis, he equipped me to do. Now you better take that and work with it. And one of the things that God is, God is a creator. And the assignments that God gave me, he gives me the ability to execute those assignments. Not just a matter of here just saying, go do, go do. In evangelism, God gives me the ability to relate to people evangelistically. I sat in class with Carry On a number of times and Bruce Johnson and watched them be creative in challenging people to accept Jesus Christ. They not only present the word, but they help people think through the process. And it was interesting to me this morning uh, as I sat with Carry On and Brother Dudley, how the Carry On was creative and putting this before him. And do you understand that? Do you relate to that? Yes. And I walked out of the room and went back in. And 
I know Carrion was looking for me in the hall, and we walked in and talked to Brother Dudley. He said, I'm ready. I'm ready to be baptized. Now, you may not count that so, but that's divine provided enhancement of creativity. Now, I didn't say man could create man. And creating man is not the only thing God created. He created a man that could be productive. So I've got to learn to, 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 to challenge the area of divine creativity to get the job done with my sons and my daughters. That's not going to happen unless I perform. Now, I, I'm, I'm aware that you're somewhat troubled with my using the concept of creativity, and I can change it to a synonym, invent. <laughs> Y'all been talking about inventing. No. Einstein was an inventor. Why do you think he got that ability? God gives him the ability to invent and to create. And when I started working with my brethren in ministry, I feel the urgency and the need to be creative in my thinking and relating to them and not coming down the old tracks where the old arguments emerge. I've got to do some different thinking. When I uh, try to relate to my wife and, 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 and I know if I say certain things where her mind's going to go, I, I back off, get creative, and go another track. Same message, but a different approach. Now that's the creativity. And unless we start thinking about that, we'll sit here in this church for 50 years and rot with nothing. God expects us to build this church and to use all the powers that he has given us to make that happen. Like his maker, like his designer, Man is designed by God with creative and designing ability. Examples of that would be the vehicle. It wasn't here in the Garden of Eden, but we got it to depend on it. Telephones, it wasn't there. They hollered down and forth, their voice would go, and that was it. But man got creative, and he talks to people internationally through his creativity, his inventiveness. So he goes beyond what he has now and, and, and pushes himself further into the future. I noticed that with my children when they were growing up and my wife and I would say, that's not make this approach, let's make that approach, et cetera. We didn't call that creativity, but exactly what it is, being creative in your thinking and allowing people to use their faculties to allow advancement in this current age. I was talking to Brother Johnson not some time ago, some time ago, and uh, he was talking about what we provide in the classroom of our church as compared to what the student is exposed to in the classroom, we in effect almost send our children backwards because they are exposed to modern equipment, computers, all that stuff. And then we would bring them in church, we'd give them a pencil and a pad. Now that's not a criticism, it's an observation. 
And it means that I'm challenged to at least try to meet the standards in which the child ordinarily operates. That's creative. What does it take to reach that man or that woman? I read the Bible and then I expand on that. I uh, understand what I'm supposed to do, but how do I do it? And that's what thinking is all about. We're not robots. We're thinking entities. The airplane, man invented them straight out of a mine in North Carolina. The Wright brothers. Bombs are creations of men. Clothing, different styles, etc. We don't sew leaves together no more. We do it all differently now. That's all they had needing was the leaves. Now, I assume they had a needle. Heating, air conditioning, the creativity of man. He got tired of being hot and he cooled himself off. Now, what I'm pleading with us to do is to see the relativity and the justification of that same kind of brain power in trying to reach out to men for God. I don't think my God is so limited he'll bless me to create an automobile and won't help me create, convert my brother. And sometimes I have no more all of what it takes to convert my brother than I had to build an automobile, but God gives that to me. I can feel you people being tight. You know, I'm a strong believer that we relate by spirit as well as by word. And I feel your spirit's drawing in on me and, uh, and treading in that, in, that, in that. It doesn't bother me, but I want you to know I know what's going on out there. The spirit tells me so. We have been creative in the area of positive relationships. We strengthened relationships where they were bad. We brought something to the table. Titus refers to this kind of thing in the second chapter of the book of Titus, as I spoke out of last Sunday, doing good deeds. And the doing of good deeds has an impact on folk. And he said that Titus, in his uh, contextual preaching, uh, his text, what he came from, that they, he should teach uh, the women to do, uh, the disciples to do good deeds. Turn to that passage. Uh, quite an interesting one. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That's Titus 2, verse 1. And you teach that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith. Lock them down in the faith. In charity and in patience. Now that's an area you have to have some creativity in patience. It takes a lot of, a lot of, 
uh, creativity to keep yourself under control when you want to go out. And one of the things that I noticed in that passage, it's quite interesting to me uh, uh, that the aged women, likewise, that they be behaviors as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And you want to develop the kind of church that you need to have because these women are busy developing the next generation. They're being creative as to how to get these women involved with themselves. And one of the things he said, Paul told Titus, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to be obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, I heard that one slide through, and some of your sister hung on to it. But it's kind of clear that it, that's what he says. <laughs> that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste keepers, good, obedient to their husbands. Obedient to their husband. Now, y'all believe in book, chapter, and verse. There it is. <laughs> now, I don't know what y'all going to do with that one, but it's there. And I don't think you can psychologically sweep around it. And sure, that lays the responsibility on the husband. I'm not going to charge you women on that today. Uh, but I, I think... What I get from that, Brother White, is the depth of our commitment to what's right. If it calls on me to obey, I have to obey. That doesn't mean that the husband walks around with a paddle all day. No, that's not what this is about. This is about our being before God and meeting the prerequisites, having him to fulfill his role, her to fulfill her role. And as I said, both together building the kingdom of God and building those children, father passing on through to the son that which God has given him. Now, I know that's heavy. And it's a big challenge, and I have not found that to be a light thing to bear. Uh, but Titus said, Paul said to Titus, that he should so handle himself in the church at Crete as a minister that he would be able by sound doctrine both to convince and to exhort the gainsayer. Now that's our strength that we ought to have in the gospel, those of us who preach, and the congregation ought to be so respective of truth and the word when it's heard, they immediately obey. And I'm not impressed that we're impressed with that. You know me, I just fact with you all the way through. Uh, it's just obvious to me that good only numbers of us don't believe we ought to be obedient to that word beyond the point where we want to be. Obedience is a challenge to do what you don't want to do.
It does not come in question where there's no issue. But Jesus did not want to go to Calvary, but God wanted him to, and he wanted to. And what I'm saying, it moves it beyond simply decision. I've got, and we've been discussing on Wednesday night, I've got to develop this so I want to do what I now don't want to do. And that's, that's an horrendous challenge. And that's the challenge that Paul hands out here. According to Ephesians 6, children are commanded. Commanded. Wesley did a nice job on that for us yesterday. They're commanded to obey their parents in the Lord. And I want my children here, my grandchildren, your grandchildren, you ain't got no choice. You don't have no choice as to whether or not you're going to go obey your parents. Especially when they're in the Lord. When they're doing what God wants them to do. Because they cannot get, their parents cannot get their job done if your children are not Christian and reasonable enough to cooperate. And you don't have any choice as to whether or not you would do it. Any more than the parents have a choice. The parents have no choice but to teach you what is right under God. I don't have any choice but to preach the gospel. You don't have any choice but to obey it along with me. And I think that's a point at which we are very weak in our fellowship. You preach that word, lay it out there, give as we prosper, faithful in attendance, committed to God. That God knows he has something that's worthwhile, dependable, that's going to take off because we are committed to divine obedience. And Paul says that the fathers, Brother White, has a responsibility to pass that inertia on to the children. I would hope that my sons and my daughters, our sons and, and daughters, excuse me, would feel an urgency to obey and do God's will because God said so. I would expect them, even in the moment when they are resentful to what I say as father and my wife as mother, to override that resentment and do what's right. That's Calvary. And we have raised two or three generations of children who think they have the right to do what they don't want to do. But I'm coming from a straight biblical context. You do not have that right. Any more than you do in the courts of the land. When the judge speaks, that's it. You may not like it. You may have a right of appeal, but you won't obey until you get the appeal made. We've got to move ourselves beyond feeling that we only have to do what we want to do. If I don't want to do it, I don't have to do it. I don't want to take care of my wife. I don't want to take care of those children. I don't want to send them to college. I don't want to. Want to. So therefore, I don't have to do it because I don't want to. I have a right to drive a Mercedes-Benz. I have a right to drive Cadillac. I have a right to drive nothing if I want to. And it's the only pull on what I do is what I want to do. 
That's not the man God created. It's not the quality of people going to make a strong church. It cannot deliver a creative and responsible entity in the community. Because the good book has said, my thoughts ain't your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. Parents are expected to teach their children to obey and to deal with the alternatives of not obeying. I have to understand that. There's an alternative to my, to my not obeying. And matters not how many of your peers are doing what? You don't have any right to disobey your parents. And I feel sorry for parents that have to bargain with their children because of what the pressure peers bring on. And it's a reality out there. Especially with all the bullying and all that stuff goes on in school. Yes, it's a, it's a difficult, they have a difficult child. But building a good relationship with your parents to help you walk through that and be there is an asset. And one of the things we need to learn early, no man is an island. And none stand alone. According to the passage, we are expected to sufficiently be creative to lead our children to live obediently. What is the process that I have to go through when I don't want to do what I know I ought to do? I've said sometime before, if I had my life to live over again, and that's wishful thinking, <laughs> it'll never happen. And not that my past life was bad and with my children, and I say with two of my children sitting in the audience today. My children, our children, never saw their mother and me argue. And I think they kind of took that for granted. We agreed on everything. We didn't argue in front of them. But we got together in the back room. Now, I'm saying that to make this point. And, and, and you feel free to disagree as to one of the privileges you have at Simpson Street. You don't have to agree with what I say. But I think it would be more creative if I had that to do over again is to differ with my wife and she with me in that presence and we work it out in that presence. I think that's a much more healthier thing than... Stop speaking, stop saying anything, and then take care of it later. That's a creative approach to it. Post-convenient happening of it. I can't do that now. <laughs> and I don't wish to go back so I could. But it's the kind of attitude we bring to that and to the church. I've seen brethren who do not want to have... Uh, conversations or issues with church because uh, the thing will get out of control. I think it's my job, our job, to bring control. And I'm going to say this to us brothers. If we are unable to keep the church in line, I think that raises questions about our qualifications. Now, some of you may not buy in on that, but if somebody else can come along and control the situation, I don't like the word control. It talks about people. I don't necessarily like that word, but uh, keep it in check. 
And I think if we took the time to be analytical about what we're doing, we could keep it in check. But the fact is, is that there's, there's this disgruntled, there's that attitude that doesn't change when you won't let it say nothing. Somehow you got to let the air out of the balloon. That brings in our creativity as to how to address that issue. The reason why Paul, uh, uh, Solomon said, train up a child in the way it should go, that's my responsibility as fathers passing it on. And when it is old, he will not depart from it. Therefore, through creative teaching, exposing and living, we are to deliver to the world an advanced generation of people. My children ought to at least be better at handling themselves in this age than I was. Kenneth Jr. and Kirby, my grandchildren here, should a scale to a higher plateau than their parents. And their children be greater beneficiaries beyond what they have received. Now, that's not a dogmatic position, but it is puts us to thinking. I think if, 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 if they adopt that, then they can say, now we've got to get to see what mom and daddy do, do so we can be better. It depends on what you try to get out of a situation as to how you handle it. In one way, it can be oppressive. In another way, it's a tremendous opportunity. I don't have to build this thing all by myself. The child says, I see what mother and daddy is doing and how successful they are and unsuccessful, and they'll talk to me when they need to, and, and we build a, a greater and a more advanced generation. This is daddy's job. And I welcome the opportunity to try to be successful in it. And I welcome the opportunity to invite you to do it. But we've got to lock in on the concept of obedience. Hebrews 5 and 8, in closing, though he were a son. Oh, Jesus were a son, yet learned he obedience. By what he suffered. And as a result, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who would obey him. I like the concept of the verb that he learned obedience. That gives us a Jesus that we have not necessarily presented all the time. But if he is not the entity who struggled with life as we, how can he be our example? So it's not a problem for me that Jesus saw Calvary straight in the face, not at a distance any longer, and wanted out. And went so far as to ask God to remove it. But the internal power and control to say, whatever you want me to do, God, I'll do it, even though I don't want to do it. So there's a higher level to which we climb. That great passage, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the 8th verse, 
I heard quoted a lot when I was a child. But if you be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, then are you illegitimate children and not sons. So I've got to train my children, my grandchildren, and myself to learn the process of obedience. And may God bless you to continue to do a great job. I want to close with one passage. The suggestion is it's Romans, the 12th chapter. That we don't have necessarily the time we think we have. We've got to get busy with the business. Romans 12 and 11. Paul says, do not be slowful in business. Fervent in the spirit. Serving the Lord. So I'm, even when I don't necessarily feel like I got to create and relate to myself in a way so I can be excited about God. And wanting to get his will done. You've been a great audience. I appreciate you so much. I proclaimed the gospel as much as I could in this particular area. Those of you who are here who are not members of the Lord's church and uh, belong to organizations which Christ does not own. We want to ask you to think about it today as Brother Dudley has said he has done. And we're going to have him come forward at the time of the invitation and, and prepare him for baptism. But there might be others of you out there who based upon the gospel of Jesus Christ and your commitment to Christ is want to do what the Lord wants you to do and build the church here that God wants you to build. Make the commitment to make that happen. Now is accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Put Jesus Christ on, the wa on in the water of grave of baptism and arise out from to walk with him in a brand new life. The Bible says you become a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things will have become new. You've heard the word. Do you believe it? Are you willing to repent of your sins, confess Christ, and put him on in baptism? Are you here? Are you willing to be restored? Acknowledge your wrong and sin against the church for your disobedience and your wayward life and realign yourself with Jesus Christ. Now is the moment to make that decision. You have the power. You have the creativity with which to do that. You are in control of your life. You do what you want to with it. It's only two ways man can go. Go his way or go the way God wants him to go. And I challenge you to respond to Jesus Christ, though not fully informed you may be, ignorant of some of the principles of Jesus Christ and of God, but just wanting to obey. I'm ready to put him on in baptism. I acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. This is your moment in life. Nothing holds you but you. Let's stand together. Brother Bates, lead us on our hymn of invitation. We ask that you please come. Behold a stranger at the door. He gently knocks as knocked before. Has waited longest, waiting still. Treat no other friend so ill, but will he prove a friend indeed? 
is he with garments dyed at Calvary. Oh, lovely attitude he stands with melting heart and laden hand. Oh, matchless kindness and he shows this matchless kindness to his foes. Mid him for the human breast ne'er entertain so kind a guest. No mortal tongue their joys can tell with whom he condescends to dwell. Okay. Let church say amen. Again, we appreciate Brother Harrison and the, the sermon this morning about uh, creating uh, uh, men, fathers creating uh, strong men through uh, the image of God. And we're just so thankful for uh, Brother Harrison and the lesson this morning. Uh, we do have uh, one individual that he alluded to this, in, uh, this morning, Jamal Dudley, had uh, filled out a, a, a response form. Uh, Brother Harrison has taken his confession already and he's being prepared for baptism at this very moment. Uh, his name is Jamal Dudley, and uh, he's, again, uh, going to be baptized this morning. He's, going to be, he's asking for rededication prayer and reaffirmation also. So uh, at this point in time, let's go to our Heavenly Father in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly and Gracious Father, we're so thankful for this opportunity. Thankful, Father, for this glorious day to come to this building and this great edifice, Father, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we're so thankful for the love that you've shown us, the grace you extended us, and the mercy you bestowed upon us, Father, by sending your darling son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And Father, we just pray at this point in time for uh, Brother Dudley, Jamal Dudley, Father, as he has, has listened to your word, Father, has uh, confessed his, his sins, Father, and, and he has heard and re believed and repented. And Father, now he is about ready to be prepared for baptism. And Father, we're just uh, thankful for those that, that were there with him, Brother Carrion, uh, who has been teaching him, Father, and uh, who's brought him thus far. And Father, we just pray that you continue to be with him, strengthen him, guide his life, Father. Make him a, a powerful Christian, Father, that will continually to uh, let your light shine in his life. And Father, we just pray that you'll be with all of us as we continue to do your will, continue to carry out your word, Father. For this is our prayer in your son's name. Amen. Amen. This morning, Brother Harrison said in his wonderful message, God gives us the power to build this church.